So like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like that. So here we are again, Rich. Yeah. Oh, here. man. Let's I can't believe we actually got a number two episode. A number, it's a, well, this is actually the number one episode. Oh, that's right. The it's number one. Pilot. We're only doing number one right now. Number right. two comes later. Right. But it's really third. Okay. Let's keep that convention forever so we're confused. All right. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is the music. Yep. The music's good. I'm like We shouldn't it. talk yet. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Skimmate Podcast with Rich and Terrence. And we're grooving it up with some... Royalty-free funk music. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode two. One. One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is great, Rich, man. I, I am really enjoying this. I, I, I uh, you know, had that first episode yeah. that we did, the pilot episode. We had it out at my place. And uh, we're going to talk about my vacation in a minute, but I just want to let you know, I... I actually played like 15 minutes of it for the captive audience of our van on vacation. In Ecuador? Yes. That's so <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I, <laughs> so I've got my wife, my son, but more importantly, I've got my in-laws, right? In, in the car. They have no idea what's going on. They just hear my <laughs> voice and your voice. And the, they're, they're cracking up mainly because... They're used to hearing me cracking wise all the time, yeah. but nobody like going like toe to toe cracking wise, right? And you were just giving it to me right from the <laughs> begin from the beginning, and so they they loved it, and then they got really bored, and so I had to turn it off. I think that's I, that's exactly the best possible way that could have gone. So it actually gave me a lot of encouragement to want to do the next one, and here we are. It's great, and so this will be the number one rated podcast in vans traveling across Ecuador. <laughs> Okay. Aquas. And we are at Aquas. Yes, you did. And we are on video over there, too. So hopefully uh, we'll actually put that out there as well. Last time it got cut short at like 25 minutes uh, because a call came in. Oh, so I'm smarter did. now. Okay. You're, I hope so. We're learning. We're learning. Anyway, so, so one, we of, the were, th- one we of the things we talked about was going different places. So Right. So last time we were at your house, this time I made you drive in traffic. Yes. <laughs> we live about an hour and, a, hour and a half apart. Or if you ask Google, an hour and a half to two hours and 45 minutes. That's what it said. <laughs> an hour and a half to 245. Yeah. When I put in the, the numbers, it, it uh, gave me a prediction. It said, yeah, it could be as much as almost three hours that's to get here. That's a long time. And but, now, uh, but now we're here. That's how much so I wanted good. to do it. And, and this is good. Rich's and tank. It's my tank. We, that's how much we talked about your tank last time. So that it pretty that much works out pretty well. It, it is an aquarium podcast. It, what, is it? It hasn't been so far. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so let's. Uh, that's that's as much location talk as we need to do. So, first of all, um, things that are happening in each of our reefs. Right. I will start. I was on vacation, as you said, in Ecuador for sixteen days. That's a good long vacation. I don't have a tank sitter. You had nobody. I The only person I had in the house um, that did anything with the aquarium is the caretaker for my mother, who I, I, I had pre-cut up squares of food, and I said, stick two of these in the tank, just drop them in every day. Don't worry about how green the front gets. Did, did, you, did you have anybody on call if there was a problem? Yeah, I mean, I have friends and Paul and different people that... Okay, because you're on my list. We'll get to that, though. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so I, I have people, Paul and Russ and, okay. uh, and probably Joe um, and maybe Chad and stuff that all would come over and bail me out in some sort of a problem if I was far away. Um, but uh, it's, you know, it's one of these things that's really cool. Even though I had my cameras weren't working part of the time, just seeing the data every day and getting that warm fuzzy. I know hey. I sound like I'm doing a commercial, but it definitely pulls down the anxiety. Absolutely. I, I, it's, uh, the, the main thing that got me into automation on my tank was traveling. Yeah. And not just the, the anxiety going down, being able to look at things, but the troubleshooting is so much easier. Or to do something, or if you do have to have somebody come over, you can actually tell them, okay, go over here, I'm going to turn this on, and what happens, right? Right. And, but I didn't have any of that, but I did, it wasn't all roses for me. I did have um, a couple of little dilemmas. Uh, the main dilemma was we had power outages right before I got back, um, luckily, uh, no problem with the power outages and things coming back on, but I have these external uh, overflows that run probably three-eighths of an inch from the top uh, uh-huh. of water <laughs> in order to keep them quiet. Um, I know, crazy. Uh, but every time that the tank cycles, it burps like air. Yep. And so it was blasting water. Because like you've got those huge, th- your lines go from your tank 80,000 feet <laughs> down 15 yes. floors. Yes, uh, it's like 17 feet yeah, down. Yeah, that's a lot of burping. 85 feet over. And, and so every, and it, they, did, they must have cycled the power because I saw them coming on and off it while I was in Ecuador and getting the alerts. And 
it just kept burping and burping, evidently. And when I came home, of course, I didn't think about that when I was in Ecuador. I would have told somebody to look at it. And you would think that the caretaker would have seen some of the water on the floor. But again, this was on Friday. And she was over on Friday at 1. And then we came home on Sunday. And I came home. And I'm looking at my tank. Oh, everything's going great. Everything. I didn't even notice the water on the yeah. floor. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, heck. Oh, so, well, at least you figured out what it was. And it wasn't a, an emergent situation. But the part that I also figured out was I do have leak detection, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be the cobbler whose children have no shoes. So I do have leak detection, right? Yeah. But, uh, and they were all good and wet <laughs> and rusted out. Come to find out, you should probably test once in a while those uh, al- alert settings because they were non-existent in my alarm settings Aha. from some sort of testing or something that I had done in sure, the past. Sure, sure. So I got no, I got no um, uh, you know, leakage alerts. But, uh, but that's it. That was pretty much it from the whole, the whole vacation. Yeah, it might be good you didn't get leakage alerts because then you would have been fretting like crazy. Well, you would have sent somebody over there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But so I had to take the whole bottom apart and, and, you know, throw fresh water down there. And, of course, there's a couple stains in between the hardwood floor. It's, hey, this is the life of a no keeper, right? No, we're redoing all the floors in this house (laughs) if we ever sell it. There's no way around that. And I've never refinished them in my house because the dog and everything. Now I'm like, you know, eventually it'll get done. So that's the way it goes. So your vacation was uh, pretty much spectacular. So you came back to a green front. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because the um, it, yeah the whole front was green with little, uh, probably pencil eraser size uh, things of the uh, coral and algae <laughs> all across yeah. the front. So you got the unwrapping. <laughs> yeah, and so you get to, exactly, you get yeah. to unwrap and see what is behind the, the green. And uh, everything was, was in really good shape. I was pretty impressed. Um, I cleaned off the glass and everything on Sunday, and by Tuesday, my alkalinity was crashing. Oh, because everything's growing again? Mm, maybe part of it. Um, but uh, uh, long story short, I had algae in the intake tube of my calcium reactor. And my alkalinity oh. went down to six. That would do that. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. But everything's good now. Everything's good. The only thing I lost was a crappy piece of uh, seriata pour at the top. And it could uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm not making that joke. <laughs> Anyway, so that was a vacation, and it was a great vacation, and I could spend this whole podcast probably talking about all the cool animals and everything that I saw while I was in Ecuador and 16,000 feet on a mountain and everything. But yeah, that's uh, good stuff. But uh, that, was, uh, that was my trip. So you've got one coming up. Yeah, I'm going to Tonga for 18 days. Wow. I've got to beat you by two days or something like that. 18 I think days. Like 18 Who days. is this man that can take 18 days away? This... Uh, my wife likes me a lot, and I had a big birthday, and so this is this is what I get for the big birthday. So 18 days away and no wife? No. Uh, well, I'm doing five days. I think it's five days of kiteboarding um, in one part of Tonga in Hapai. And then, um, well, first we'll land, and me and my two friends, Michael and Chris, will be in um, the capital in uh, Nuku'alofa. So we'll be there for a couple days de-jet-lagging. Okay. Right? And then we fly and we to Hapai, where we do four or five days of kiteboarding. Then they go home, and my wife and kid come out, and I meet them. And then we have ten more days of of hunting whales with cameras. What a struggle! Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's true. The first world <laughs> struggle is really first world. It's uh, I, I'm actually kind of um, humbled by the trip. It's it's an it's a crazy thing. And uh, my wife insisted that we do something crazy because I usually don't want to do anything for my birthdays. Right. And uh, so I think this is well, that's great, exciting. man. I can't wait to see some of the pictures. And uh, yeah, I know you showed me a whole we'll rig, a whole photography rig that you have yep. to go one chase the, whales with. I consulted on a coral farm there in like 2005, and one of the guys uh, who was a collector for that farm or that that outfit is still there collecting. So wow. I'm going to hook up with him again and see what's going on there. So that'll be kind of fun. What to kind see of corals do they collect there? And everything, everything, huh? everything. Didn't they? Yeah. Wasn't that like a big live rock place where they raped? It, the pl- it used to be. Yeah, it used to be. But so was everywhere. But Tonga was one of the places where it got stopped. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, and so they're still allowing exporting out of Tonga. They are, and now that the problems with Indo are going on, it's a great it's, place. It's, it's been getting more work, as from from what I can tell. Very, um, very interesting. So I'm in the middle of getting this tank system all ready to go to be alone for so long and the you know it's you know the regular stuff a couple weeks out you start doing whatever maintenance you have so it runs for a week or two while you're still here um so that was good i found out that my emergency shutoff for the return that's a float switch was fried oh, so no. that that sits in the overflow box 
in case that gets clogged and the whole tank starts pouring onto the floor. It'll shut off. And you got to test those things because you never know. And uh, yeah, that was very dead. And I had to figure out where to get a new one because autotopoff.com was closed until August 2nd. So I had to buy some other version. I think about the Ultra Life one. Looks fine. It's a nice little unit. Well, one of the things I learned, I think, from uh, the overflow issue that I had is just open those <laughs> valves. You know, like nobody's really home. My mom oh. isn't really going to care if the thing's like yeah. the whole time. So uh, if I opened those valves, it wouldn't have burped. It was just because it was just going down. It didn't have any water in there, and I wouldn't That's have that problem. And, and for those people that even though they don't have the same problem I have, you know, you could get something clogged in your drains, either one of those, even your emergency drain, and then that'd be really bad while you're gone. Yeah, it would. So it would. That's why mine is set up for that not to happen. An inch and a half clear all the way down, except for the huge foot and a half long strainers. Okay. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, um, something can always go terrible. That's what I mean. <laughs> the the weird thing about getting ready for this trip, though, for me, is finding somebody to be local and come in every few days and feed. Right. So that's been the weird thing. Um, all the people I know have kind of moved away. Uh, so, uh, it's interesting. So, uh, I got in touch with my friend, Pat, who I haven't seen for a long time, who lives like 10 minutes away in Oakland. Uh-huh. And so he's going to come over every three days and check stuff. And, and your fish are okay every three days? So they're, oh yeah. Yeah. They don't fine. complain. They're not going to call you up. And no, like, it'll, it'll be <laughs> fine. And, uh, then this I've got is you 16, 18 days. Now he's only feeding me every three yeah, days. I know. Well, you, that's more than get normally <laughs> if I'm not paying attention. Um, and then you'll be on call. Just oh, because, just nice. because you know about the controller, so if something weird happens, okay, I want that. I'm good with that. And then um, Tenji's on call if there's a real emergency. Yeah, they can handle just about anything. So, so I think that that seems like a wise way to go with a system of this complexity. They're a long stupidity. way. They're like three hours away. Yeah, but you know, uh, of all the people I know who could troubleshoot something on this distributed right, right. system around the house, and I, it's not worth. At, at a certain point, I think in every reef keeper's life, you go. Yeah, I'm not going to fuck around with this anymore. Yeah, yeah, Just exactly. Just forget it. If 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 I know these people are on call, they can figure it all out and um if and they even have credit cards you that do are that, than mine. Exactly. You do that with, you know, getting people to help you, you do that with equipment. Eventually you just go, you know what? Uh, you know, I enjoy the hobby. I don't want to enjoy fixing crap all the That's time. Right. I don't want to enjoy. <laughs> and the odds are nothing's going to happen. Right. I mean, nothing terrible has happened in right. the last year. Right. Right. So Probably nothing terrible is going to happen. Okay. I'm well, not even going to knock on wood because I don't believe I control the universe enough to say it to make it happen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so no wood knocking. No wood knocking here. I dare you gods above to crash my tank while I'm gone. That's the second easiest thing that was possible. Yeah. We used to pray before the juggling show. Um, please prove yourself by ruining the show, which is the simplest thing any god could do. But now we're on a real tangent. We should not do that. Well, or we could. if we're supposed to go along with our uh, outline, we're supposed to be talking about products now. Every every show, we're going to bring, like, one product to uh, to the forefront, right? Cool. All right, and this is your week. It's the it's the frag plugs, right? The, yes, the yes. So um, uh, I'm plugging a plug. Um, ah. <laughs> um, ah. Wait, wait, where is it? Is it this one? Oh, yeah, it is oh. that one. Look. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you're going to have to super glue those buttons down. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can use them too, you know. I, I could, but I have um, self-respect. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I hate frag plugs. Why? Because I hate them too, but I, I suspect I, we have different reasons. There's a few different reasons. First of all, many of them, if you don't like cure them, so to speak, mm-hmm. you glue something down on them and you're all stoked and you like stick it in your frag rack. And then you you come back a day or two later, and there's nothing on the frag plug. And you're like, what happened? And the frag just, even if you have good glue, it just came off, right? And it's somewhere down in the bottom of your of your frag tank or what have you. That would happen to me often. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Is that something that's got to have something to do with? I the think it's with the the uh, the calcium dust and other stuff yeah. on there. It doesn't it doesn't adhere There's quite right. To grab it, so you could probably scuff that on a piece of. Or you let it. What I've always found is you leave them in the tank for you know a week or two, yeah. and then they get kind of nasty, and then you can glue stuff to them. Yeah. and They hang on. Yeah. Um. But I always had them dry, and they were in there, and it was like oh, I got to glue up like twenty frags right now. Let me get yeah. it going, and then a third of them would just come off somehow or another. A snail would crawl on them. So that was one thing I hated about them. I hate the color of them. I hate the, the white. The, the white. Bright white. Yeah, the bright white. 
Um, I hate how they, you know, when they grow algae, you can see that they're growing algae. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. And the thing that I hate the most is once I get a nice encrusting on that disc, it's a disc. Right. And it's got a, you know, a big old schlongy thing out the other end of it. Yep. And what am I going to do with this in my reef tank? So inevitably when I get frags from somebody, if I'm going to keep the frag plug, which is usually like with zoanthids or something like that, um, but sometimes it's with an encrusting coral, I'll cut the, um, you know, the bottom of the, the, you know, the frag plug off <clears throat> and still use it. But then you still get these little discs in your tank. Yeah, and I go through, so I, I will snip off the, s- the shaft and then I will... Uh-huh. Um, he said shaft. Oh, man. <laughs> And then, oh, now I have no self-respect. I actually <laughs> That was rich. That it. was not me. So you snip that off, and then I'll go around whatever exposed edges are, and I'll snip those as well so it gets I get it, some get, kind I of irregularity. You, get, you, you basically make it look jagged all the way yeah, around. I have, see right there? Okay. See that square? Yes. That's the frag plug of, of that frag that was put in yeah, there. Yeah, so you make it look eight, like broken glass, right? Ago. Yeah, and so that one has grown over, and you can still see it. Yeah, you still can know. crazy. yeah. So anyway, so these guys from Real Reef who have created... Oh, Gareth. Yes, Gareth. Ah. Um, Gareth, Garrett, and... Okay, anyway, I should probably remember all three of their names, but they, uh, three partner guys, got together, made this company, right? And they've been around for a number of years and making make great rock. Artificial rock. Yes. So their whole thing was saving the reefs, right? Because all of this rock, like Tonga, was uh, getting yanked out. So they said, well, we can make a really cool reef rock, and we can make some money, but we can also save, you know, the planet, right? Which is cool. <clears throat> because you don't have this uh, this you know limited resource getting yanked out of the you know out of the environment. Yeah, and there's questions about that resource anyway. You know how how <laughs> you know uh, live rock harvested from the water and then kept in a shipping container right. dry and for it's two dead. weeks. And then what is it? You still <laughs> get some stuff on it. Right. But and then it was really interesting when that all this was happening. People would be saying. You know, you'd have a couple of camps, and one was like, we, we want all the hitchhikers. And then the other camp is, what, are you insane? You we don't want to kill everything. The hitchhikers, kill, you, know. you get the live rock, kill it all. Uh, don't <laughs> kill it all. But yeah. So, yeah. The so, they, they created this rock, and they've gone through a few different revisions of the rock. and they the, got great shapes. And the, the shapes on it are great now. They've got a new um, uh, branch rock out that's amazing. But then they came out now with these frag plugs. They're not really plugs in the nature of plugs. They just look like little rocks, but they're flat on the bottom. So that they fit, uh, or so they sit on the bottom of, you know, they can just go right on the bottom of your fr- uh, frag tank. You don't even need the egg crate or anything like that. Um, but what's really unique about them is probably, I don't know, six or seven different shapes and sizes, right? And they all have like a little pocket in them. And so you cut the frag off that you have, you put a little drop of glue in that pocket, and you put the frag in there, and it not only sticks itself in the bottom really nice, but the edges of the frag plug touch the outside edges of that hole and yeah. immediately start to encrust. That's pretty great. And it works, and it's really amazing. A story I'll tell you about is I had the really cool, we, we came out to the to the bar frag swap about, I don't know, maybe it was like five months ago or something, and um, I picked up a frag of that Fox Flame Acropora. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, I know. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Those I are know. just words. They, there's all these cool names. It's as an you acro. Know. It's and an acro. It's an acro. And it's cool. Does it look like it's on fire or does it look like a fox? It, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I was thinking of a Tarantino uh, movie. But, uh, you know, eventually <laughs> we're just going to start saying all those things we keep saying we're not going to say, and the podcast will get that much better. I know. I know. Fox Force 5 or something, isn't it, from Pulp Fiction, where she's like, yeah, it once. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so it is kind of reddish with like these, uh, like a yellow uh, polyps or something. Anyway, it's really nice, and somebody spends way too much money on it, but I got it for free. Brought it home. I glued it onto my, uh, you know, broke it off and then glued it onto my real reef branch, like I usually do, so grow onto the branch. And stupid fish kept knocking it off, knocking it off, knocking it off. I grabbed one of those real reef plugs, glued it on. You know, then I can glue that onto the, you know, thing. Onto the rockscape. Yeah, onto the rockscape. And now it's got, you know, probably about an inch, inch and a half yeah. uh, diameter of encrusting on it. That's Already. great. I, I, ha- I have a bucket under the house, and it's a big bucket. It's like a 10-gallon bucket with reef rubble mm. because that's what I used to use to do the same thing. Right. Those are my dogs barking at something. I don't. I have no idea <laughs> if it can be picked up on this, this mic is, or not. This but is I the know, location. I know uh, both of us are looking at each other going, are these dogs on the podcast? Well, they're definitely on the that mic, on over, that there. mic over there. Uh, so Rich is going to go ahead and kill his dogs now. He is killing them right now. He's already stripped all the hair off of his animals. Now what else can he do? 
they're doing their job, so I guess I can't really. Oh, okay. Out. So there's an intruder in the house, and a seven and a half pound bald dog is going to did chase it off. Did you see the big bald dog? The yes, one that I looks did. like a hellhound? That dog yes. will rip your throat out. I can she imagine. Won't, but it looks like she would. <laughs> so I got a big thing of rubble that I used to use that for. Right. There's issues with phosphates and stuff, or I'll use broken pieces of coral for that as well. I think Julian's got a thing called Stacks, which is just yeah, almost yeah, the, the same sliced thing as up well. stuff. Um, and this is a nice artificial version of it with a hole exactly from what most people are going to use. And for. the bottom's flat. Great. That's the thing the I like about it, too, because it can set a whole bunch of these frags down. Um, See, so I think I've been thinking about this all wrong, because I'm always trying to think of a frag plug that the uh, shaft is uh, removable easily. Right. I think it's the wrong way. I think I have five shafts. If I need them in a piece of egg crate, I'm going to glue one onto the bottom of one of these things and slide it in. Oh, so you have like extra shafts? I have so many <laughs> shafts. From all the ones I cut off. You can't <laughs> but don't bump your own words. Uh, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> that was bullshit. Oh, you, you said bullshit. Congratulations. I did. I did. You feel like a, a real a, and a grown-up. It's great. Uh, so right, yeah, Rich. we could use those shafts and, and I think that's a great use uh, that's a great way to do it. I, I like the Real Reef stuff, so if you guys want to go check those out, you know, uh, and check out their rock, it'd be a cool thing um, because they're great guys too. Yes. Okay? Yes. And now we want to talk about uh, something we read online. Yes. Uh, we read a thread called, um, uh, what are the three biggest mistakes you've made in the hobby? How far can we go back? In the hobby. Oh, okay. It said. I only read the first page of the thread, so I don't well, really. You, I think you read the whole thing. Yes. You were diligent. <laughs> I did my own work. <laughs> um, I showed up. The uh, it's my house. I was really racking my brain to think of what three mistakes I made. I don't know if that's like a statement of my personality. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the fact that I could, I could, I could <laughs> rattle off three mistakes you've made right now. You can. Yeah. That might be even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't check your leak detectors. You're right. You didn't open the valves all the way. You're right. And um. And you but that's something I learned after the fact. I, it's not like, okay, I guess yeah. it's still a mistake. Okay. Um, <laughs> you go. Wow, he's like crying <laughs> now. No. You were so excited. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Drink some water. No, I'm good. Drink I'm some good. Water and and tell us <laughs> what you were gonna say. No, I think uh, probably the biggest mistake I made in the very beginning was in 1985. In <laughs> the first uh, the first saltwater aquarium we had, we knew we did not know better. And what we did was um, we fed goldfish to our fish. Yeah, no. <laughs> How was that bad? Except for the goldfish. Well, I heard that they're not, like, nutritionally adequate yeah. after the fact. So I would consider that a mistake because of that. Fair enough. The, the profiles don't line up as well. Crustaceans, freshwater, saltwater, closer. Fish, much further apart. So, yeah, freshwater fish are not great long-term feed animals for saltwater animals. But it was entertaining. Yeah, I had problems with that. I know. I used to feed, <laughs> I used to, when I had even had Oscars, I wouldn't invite the neighborhood kids over because they screamed with glee at the death of <laughs> these feeder fish. And I always felt that it was, it was something to appreciate, but it wasn't like, you know, gladiatorial and we should be thrilled that these fish are dying. I'm calling BS on this one only because how many times you show the clownfish calls being eaten. That's so the very <laughs> specific reason why that's oh, and exciting. This is a, a real scientific kind of like yes. reason for you to show that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You keep going with that. I, I am <laughs> going with that because yeah, captive bred animals. Oh no, you, you got me. Goldfish <laughs> are captive bred. I'm totally <laughs> nailed. You've got me. Any well, because I thought of it that way, I'm going to stick with that. I think okay. I'm justified in the one I like and just not justified in the one I don't like. Okay. Now my second one. Your second one. Your first one is wrong food. Wrong food. Second one was um, when I got back into the hobby, I got a 110-gallon aquarium I bought off of somebody else, and uh, it came with a reef keeper. And oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I used that for like... Four or five months. Yeah. That was my second mistake. <laughs> That's, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Tell people what that did. Um, what, what was the upshot of that? Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I guess it was um, a bittersweet, I guess, because it, it, was a, it was a pain in the butt. It didn't work well. Yeah. But it did show me right out of the gate that having automation on the aquarium to, like, give you some feedback about the temperature and to turn, like, things on and off for you automatically 
is pretty darn handy, and it ultimately led me to the Apex and ultimately led me to the job I have now. So in that way, I guess it was a mistake that really led worked to, out well. <laughs> uh, which actually led to bigger mistakes. Oh, no. No! <laughs> <laughs> okay, now more, more recently, what mistakes have I made? Um, more recently, oh, uh, I bought a uh, calcium reactor from a European company with a crappy pump in it ah and on the advice of somebody i really respect whose name i'll leave out of this um who also had the same issues and i just ignored them because he is such a successful reef keeper gotcha and you couldn't replace the pump i or replaced it three times oh with the same pump and then i changed it to another brand's pump to keep it working and the plumbing was all uh like glued down to the yeah. lid. Yeah. So you, and then I had cra- a crack in the plumbing and then I had to replumb and it was just a nightmare. And so uh, it was a mistake to think that a product that cost a lot of money, which it did, is going to be better um, than the product that probably I could have built myself and done a better job with. Yeah. So. Okay. Those are good mistakes. All right. Now let's I, hear yours. Oh, I've never made any mistakes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> some reason, I thought my version of the joke you did would have worked better. It did not. <laughs> um, let's see. Most of mine, and I've made a lot of them, most of them would be, uh, it, be not thinking something through. I think a lot of them would, would fall under that category. The first one I can think of is at the old house, when I had a 50-gallon with the aquarium system, it was one of the first ones with the filtration. Like bio bottles or something? It was like behind the oh, tank. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I forget what it was called. Um no sump. It was all right, there. right. And uh, I got home from being gone for however long, and the auto top off aqualifter oh. out of a five gallon jerry can had not been working or something. And the water level was way down in the tank. And we got home, and it was like two in the morning and it was bubbling. So I just got some water and poured it in. <laughs> I didn't dechlor it. I just right out of the tap. Just open the tap. Just where were you living? Right out of the tap. Um, this was in Oakland here? In Alameda, but it was like um, mm, good Alameda water. It was it was right when I had gotten back into the hobby okay. after being gone for a long time, and it was I was tired and jet lagged, and I thought this is an emergency; it needs to happen now. And I did exactly the incorrect thing. I, I'm pretty sure there was I didn't put dechlor or anything in it, and pretty the, sure. and the results were not positive. The results were not positive. <laughs> not not a complete meltdown, but not positive. Right. Okay. Number another, two. another version of that um, that just came to mind was, uh, again, getting home from a trip and uh, not so late. So I, I don't have the jet lag and the late time of day to, to deal with it. But um, I did some water testing and some things looked odd and there was ammonia showing up in, my, in, in, the, in, the, in the water test. Oh, wow. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often in a reef yeah, tank, that, well an established reef tank. I think that's mostly because we never test ammonia. Right. Um, <laughs> which I think is probably a good idea. But I thought, oh, I've got some Amquil, so I'll pour it in. And I just, you know, went and, you know, poured the entire dose for the entire system into the display. Oh, wow. And woke up in the morning and all the acros were gone. They were oh, all, wow. all the flesh had come right off. Oh, my gosh. And there seemed to be various reasons for that, um, which are impossible to track down because the things are proprietary. But the thing to learn from that is... I think it was a, it was a drop in pH. Well, do, again, the same lesson, except in a different way. Really think everything through. Right. And, um, yeah, and why, why are you adding Amcool, Rich? Why would you... Do, this was like eight years ago, I think. I uh, made a nice article. I'm an idiot. Right, right, Article right. by Rich, um, which I think are the best articles. Uh, that's two. And, you know, the last one that's all that's coming up with is, is, um, you know, a Kalkwasser problem. Okay. You know, uh, and, and I, I, you know, the only answer to that is, you know, when you're dosing Kalkwasser, make sure you've got enough stop gaps in place. Well, so it is a dance with the devil. Happen. It uh, is. Kalkwasser is a dance with the devil. And, and I think what I've got in place now is pretty robust and there are like eight, uh, eight fail safes on it. Right. Um, so, yeah, Kalkwasser. When it goes right, everything, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, but, but if you OD it, you're in big trouble. Yeah, it goes so, south really quickly. So the advice on that is read what a lot of people are doing with complicated systems with Kalkwasser and do more than they are. 
Right. So right. yeah, mine's like on a timer on a small pump that can't pump too much, and the pump can only be on every fifteen minutes. But there's a float switch that turns it on oh, and gee. off anyway, and it just it just mitigates the amount it can do at one time. I've only tried so it, it once, fine. and it was just too much of a hassle for me, and I just was like. Pfft. Yeah, it's just moving. It's just moving the problem around. <laughs> yeah. know, that's all we're doing is what do you feel like paying attention to? You know, so it's, it's so those are those are mistakes. Mistakes are good. I mean, if you're not making mistakes, you're doing something wrong, right? You, you have to be learning from mistakes. But at the same time, who's paying for the mistake? The animals are. Yeah. So if you can minimize your mistakes, that seems like a superior way to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and learning. I mean, learning from podcasts like this and learning from other people's mistakes is, is good. I think that's the intention of this particular uh, uh, thread as well. Excellent. All right. So what's newsworthy? There was a, what was that thread I was reading? Or that 30 thread? years of unique data reveal what's really killing coral reefs. Yeah. So this is a, um, this is a headline that's horrible. Uh, and, and also the takeaway, <laughs> Hey, quit it. <laughs> not even making it. I'm not even pretending anymore. I like it. Stop it. Uh, it's a microphone. They can hear you, dog. Ramona Flowers. Come Ramona here. Flowers. Here. That's a, that's the name. Come here. Come here. The cats are coming. Okay, I got two animals here. So, um, it's not. It's the other takeaway that is being taken away from this or being led with it is that it's uh, it's not bleaching that's killing corals. It's it's nitrate and phosphate, and so. There's a there's a problem with the reporting of this story. Well, let's uh, let's 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 recap it just slightly, okay. right? So everybody in the world understands or has most people have a good understanding that water is warming around the world, right? Yeah. Most people believe that it's due to uh you know climate change, global warming, CO two, all of these things, right? Uh, no, the f- the facts actually support that. So okay, I'll move away from belief. Okay. That's okay. Okay, so just, just kind of the facts support that. I'm a dick. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> Um, but um, the coral reefs are dying, and this article says, hey, wait a second, uh, coral reefs aren't dying just because of this. They're dying because of runoff and high nitrate values, which is, are creating an issue for the fact that there's too low a phosphate. Is that? That's, yeah, that's part of what they're saying, is the balance is out of whack, so it gets weird. Right. Right, so that's why when my tank had super high nitrate and super high phosphate, things were fine. But when I started lowering them, weird things happen. Right, right. As the a balance, balance shifts. Right. Well, some people yeah, call it the red field ratio. Well, the red field ratio is only one of them. Right. Several, I know. But I'm just, I'm, it's it's an oversimplification. But at least in the um, in the sense of what the study did, it's like okay, this is in Florida, <laughs> right? Right. So in Florida, where famously not famously where where eight years ago I stood up and said we should abandon the Florida Keys because the water's too bad. Right. And that's why we should move somewhere else and tell them to clean up the water. Right. And then we'll come back and do the scientific research, which I still think makes sense. And the study actually bears that out. Well, it kind of makes sense if you have a ton of poo and throw a ton of poo in the water more than would normally be there from the animals that are normally there, it's probably going to be some consequences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and literal poo as well as, you know, yeah, all everything else. Medication, runoff, yeah. and siltation, and yeah. all that. Everything that comes from people living. Yeah, and I think we got into this actually in the last uh, podcast a little bit talking about, hey, is it maybe just right off the Gulf because there's just so much stuff that's pouring into the Gulf, this this big small area, right? Yeah, that you know you're 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 trying to stick your thumb in the dike, and there you go. You know, there's all these other uh, these contributing factors. But I think the amazing thing about this uh, article and and uh, is. The headline is just so funny, right? I mean, just just the whole idea that 30 years of unique data reveal what's really killing coral reefs yeah. as if that is it. Right. And so some people I saw, I've been seeing, have been taking away from that the bleaching's not a thing. And like, no, no, right. bleaching's a different thing. Right. Uh, and it's happening. And uh, um, not much of the problem in, the f- in Florida has been bleaching. Right, right, exactly. It's been other, it's all the other, other stuff, factors, all the environmental stuff that's coming into the water. This study which is, is now saying, yeah, duh. So it's a little weird. I'm not too. I, I like that it's in the literature now. Right. Just like I like how micro microfragmenting is in the literature now. Right. But at the same time, it's like this. These are these are kind of not new things. Right. Right. We we kind of know this, and it's nice to have it in the literature, but. You know, uh, the, the headlines of what's really killing the reefs is, is so well, <laughs> out of... And the study is nothing like that. Right. You know, the study doesn't talk about... You know, the study's pretty fine. It's fine. It right, documents right. it. The coverage of the study is just... Right. It's, it's, like, it's an oversimplification. It's the same with the microfragging it's like, thing. It's like, ah! 
but, ah. but it is true. We could fix all of the uh, warming. <laughs> you have one of these, too, I think. Oh, my God. 1933 <laughs> called and wants its sound effects back. I, I got to reprogram those. <laughs> that one's a little weak, I admit. Anyway, th- that is the that is the news that uh, we're talking about, and I think uh, you know at least people are paying attention to this stuff, right? Yeah, a little bit more. I think it's good, uh, and and the the hobby discussions I have, the points uh, we just made, were all seem to be made in those threads and those discussions, which makes me very happy. Right, right. I, I'm very happy to go to threads now and, and be reading it and get my hackles up and then read eight people say what I would have said and then not have to say anything. Right, great, right. It's yeah. great. Okay. Put the heat on someone else. Somebody else. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the next uh, section is what we call Smart Corner. Smart Corner. It's my turn for Smart Corner. Okay. You I, tell me what's so smart here. This is this is one of the smartest things ever. Okay. What I'm holding in my hands, people on the video might be able to see it. These are a pair of self-closing tweezers. Okay. And they come in two different shapes. They come straight or with a bent tip. Okay. I like them straight most of the time. So basically it's a reverse spring action on tweezers. That's it. Okay. So... When you press it, it opens the tweezers. When you let it go, it closes. So if you've got a fragment of coral, you can grab it with these tweezers. The tweezers will hold onto it while you figure out how you want to place it. And then you get it in the glue. And I always put, I always prime with glue and then put glue on the frag and then put them together. So you don't like getting your hands in the glue? Around. I don't mind getting my hands in the glue at all. But look oh, at some down, of these weird, down inside the weird, weird old angles. locations yeah. and stuff. And also, if you're picking something up at the bottom, it's way easier to let the tweet. You know, you yeah, don't have to keep to it closed and, and pull, pull it. all the way out. I, I agree. That's definitely um, really cool. Do they come bigger than this though? This I is about six inches long. <laughs> I haven't found any good ones bigger. Okay. I find lots of them th- this size, and uh, they're also great for pulling algae. Um, you know, bryopsis. Algae, I think bryopsis. This is probably this is excellent. Great. This is especially I've the bent one with them too. For you bryopsis. can get in underneath and. And then you twist it. Uh-huh. So you grab it and you twist it, it pulls like the pasta, roots out. Yeah. and then you pop it off. Uh, vermitted snails, this is useful for. Uh-huh. Uh, just about everything. Uh, it's ki- They're kind of useful all now, over the place. And I saw they're like six bucks on Amazon. They're like six bucks, and you usually buy them in a kit of uh, the bent and the straight. Yeah, I saw that. I think uh, both of them, I think, were $6 yeah, for the pair for the on pair. Amazon. And then the other, the other, what's related to this about cool, cool stuff. What do we call this? Tech corner? What do we know? Smart corner. Smart corner. Uh, is in here, Gresham Handy loved this when he saw it 20 years ago, there's a magnetic tool holder mounted up above the tank. So all of my tweezers, Well, my they're not pliers, stainless that doesn't stick to magnets. They're actually... They, they stick to magnets. Because they're that inexpensive. Yes, <laughs> of course. These are all disposable, <laughs> of although course. these last a long time. And all my tools go up against the magnet. That's handy. And, um, Definitely right very handy. The magnet thing is very handy, absolutely. <coughs> and if they came... Uh, Two for one. Yeah, two for one. I have not found bigger ones. I'd like to find bigger, longer ones with mm-hmm. longer forks and also more of a curve, but I, I, have, I have yet to find any of them. Let yeah, me, you know, let we talked about the chopstick thing maybe a little bit before, maybe you and I. I mean, you could put like a floaty on this probably too. Yeah, if you dropped it, it would dropped float it, up. it would float up to the top, something like that. Yeah. Very uh, neat. Yeah, so I like these a lot. Amazon. Amazon. Look them up. Look them up. Self-closing tweezers. Okay. All right, so here we go. Something now, to think about. Yeah, this is our something to think about uh, section that we that we do, uh, where we try to get a little bit more, maybe more philosophical or uh, you know in depth with something that's happening in the hobby. Maybe um, in this case, you 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 we're actually gonna, we're going to talk about can you get an is from an ought? No, sorry. Go on. I don't even know what that yeah, means. Yeah, that's well, you said philosophy. So. Oh, okay. I know that's your gig. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, this is uh, this is an article that uh, came out says basement basement preservationists preservationists uh, can hobbyists save rare fish from extinction. So this is a topic that comes up. It's mostly talked about in the freshwater world where some of this has happened. That the red-tailed shark, the cat, there's a shark, red-tailed shark. Okay. Doesn't exist anymore or didn't exist anymore in the wild, but we did have it in tanks. Is that like the one I had when I was a kid? That, yep. l- that little one? Yep. Seriously? Yeah. That they called a shark, and I would tell my dad, yeah. I'd be like, Dad, it's that's not, not a, a shark. shark. What? And, and he's like, that's a shark. I'm like, you want a shark? Get me a saltwater aquarium. Then I can have a shark. And what did he say? He said, hell no. Hell no. That's <laughs> expensive, and no one can do it. <laughs> exactly. Fast forward. Well, this is like 1980 at this point, 1979. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, boy. That was a good time. <laughs> Anyway, so the the red tail shark that I used, that thing actually went extinct in the wild. If I'm recalling correctly, wow! And uh, but we have them in tanks, and so then there's some placosomas. There's a bunch of fish. 
that okay. that we can point to and go, well, really, these there's more of these in aquaria than there are in the wild. Okay. Right? And, you know, the desert pupfish comes up with, you know. Uh, Is that the one that's in the mud? <coughs> it's in the, in. it's not really in mud, but it's in the desert in really hot water. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, they had these uh, bumblebee alatoka was the name of the fish. Now, what's really interesting is this guy is over there in Germany, and he has these tanks, okay, in the bunker that is the, the deepest, hardest-to-penetrate bunker uh, that Adolf Hitler ever had. It had all of his anti-aircraft guns and everything else on it. He's literally in Hitler's he, bunker. He's literally in this bunker. You think, knowing me, when I read this article, that would have stuck in my head. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it opens up that way in the beginning and talks about it, and that really is what drew me into the article. I was like, whoa, fish in a bunker. That's awesome. Yes. This guy must be my friend. <laughs> anyway, so he has like 90 tanks, and somebody brought him a, a couple of fish and said, here, you can have these fish. You've got an event coming up. And then he had the fish, and then lo and behold, he finds out that they are completely rare and starts this whole um, kind of society for these particular types of rare fish. And one of the interesting things I, I found from the article was something I was thinking about and they did touch on, which is, you know, once I take these things out of the wild and I stick them into my aquarium um, and I breed them and I keep them and I have others keeping them, are they now the same fish as they were when we took them out of the wild? Yeah, and that is a question that is wonderful to entertain when we don't think the planet's in trouble, right? So 30 years ago, we were having the same discussion, and, it, and that was the point. Okay. And you would have had me going, yeah, we'll probably never be able to release those into the wild because there's too many weird things going on in our tanks right. that can be, have bad impacts in the wild. That's part of what I'm saying, but it's not entirely what I'm saying. Now I'm not saying that at all. Okay. I'm saying that that possibility may be completely moot. Okay. We may it may be in such problems that it I'm not going to care at all, and no one's going to care at all about the history of these animals. Just okay. do we have them to put back when the environment's okay? So do we? You I I, I see what you're saying, but I'm not talking exactly about okay. that. What I'm talking I'll, about. I'll shut up then. What I'm talking about is is I I save this one fish that has these characteristics from where it's from. It's evolutionary characteristics from where it's from. And now it's in my aquarium through, you know, maybe 185 generations mm. in my aquarium. And it's now maybe even given up some of those and gained other traits that it has. It's no longer even the same fish. Well, it's not being selected. The, the traits are not being selected the same Correct. way. Correct. Correct. Yeah, or at all. So, so even if we, we do have the extinction event in that particular fish or, or multiple fish that we're keeping this way, it's not like uh, putting this one back. We're actually putting back the same fish anyway. Right, and that's part of, and again, call me if I'm misunderstanding you, that's part of the reason why um, zoos and aquariums have um, SSP, Species Survival Programs. Okay. SSP, right, Species Survival Programs. And they're trying to take that into account. So you and me breeding some fish in our house and swapping back and forth and trying to get other people, Okay. that's one thing. Making sure we have enough broodstock to have genetic variability that we want over time in our captive stock is a whole different question. So, so an SSP is looking to manage those animals in a way that keeps their germlines uh, healthy and as close to natural as possible. Okay, so the first thing is that's what this article is about. It is about how to do that. No, it's about people in their basements doing it. Yeah, and are these guys going to be the ones that are going to save the world? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, my contention is it's all neat and everything. And maybe they're, you know, and some of the, some of the discussion in the article, too, is like, well, they're, some of these guys are even, you know, breeding these just to get one color. And, right. And the guys that are doing it are saying, yeah, but once they go back in the wild, they'll go back to the way they were. And there's all of these different discussions. But, um, you know, but I look at it at least if you, you know, and I am a person who believes in evolution, is that, yeah, you're, you're not in the same water. You don't have the same other predators around. You don't have the, all of these other things. And even with the species preservation program, that right? Sure. Um, that you're talking about, <laughs> I don't know exactly, I don't know enough about it to know how they, how they emulate, you know, that in the breeding to keep those, you know, to keep those traits. Well, it's, it's um, what kind of, so penguins is a big one. I, I can't do fish because there's, 
The fish ones are a little bit weirder. Okay. Or, or a little harder to get your head around for the reasons I think you're saying. Correct. But so um, try to give as naturalistic environments as possible, naturalistic food as possible, and then control who breeds with who, but not for color reasons, right. for health of the species reasons. That totally makes sense on large animals to me. I can, yeah. I can totally get that with the larger species and, and, and how we're able to manage their environments. Yeah. When we're talking about, you know, tiny, you know, thread fin, minnow, something or other that's living in the California Delta. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't see how that's possible. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to not do it's this. Just, it's just... Yeah. It's just I don't want us to fool ourselves, and I, this probably goes to you more than anything, which is pay attention to what's going on around us, people, because just because you think you have this this bank uh, of stuff, it's not the same stuff quite possibly, and it'll never go back in the same way. We don't know until we try, right? and it might be too late. Yeah, I find that whole conversation really interesting because even with the smaller animals, they're they're reacting to environmental pressures faster because they have they, more generations. Yeah, they have more generations faster. So, yeah. so... The ones in the Delta now are not the same as in 30 years from now anyway. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And especially because what we're doing to the Delta, so we're sure. even having impact there. So it's a really fascinating ethical question nowadays about stuff that mattered before that we were saying, you know, no way can we release these animals into the wild again. Now that might be changing a little bit because... If those are the only animals... Well, and if you are affecting the environment as humans anyway, I, I mean, other animals are affecting the environment too in different places too sure. to change the, 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 you know, the, the way things uh, move and make other species extinct and whatnot. It's a really, like you said, a real interesting ethical and philosophical question is like, okay, yeah, we're human beings. We're supposed to be smarter and the smarter top of the, the chain, but we're just changing our environment too. Well, and, and absolutely. And, you know, let's put it in terms that I think that... that People listening to this might, the two people listening to this might understand. It's you Aww. and I. It's you and I listening. Um, and my in-laws in, in Ecuador. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're also taking cyanide. Um, <laughs> these uh, Picasso, A-grade Picassos here that I bred, right? Okay. You know, those are, those are not such a good thing to think about releasing back into the <laughs> wild. Probably not, right? no. Right? The juggalo clowns, <laughs> the juggalo or, you know, whatever they're called. The Skeletor clowns. Um, you know, uh, those might get picked off immediately by predation anyway. Right. But if they're the only thing we've got, right? But, but but if we cared, and I think this article talks about it too, we'd be breeding natural wild types, right? That's what we'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some people are doing that. Um, again, I get I get worried about stories like this that have people bandwagon jump and say, "See, we are doing good." And it's like, right, right. It's right. a little harder than that, but well, I one mean, of the interesting things nice. in the article too is that you know one of the the scientists that we're talking about it was like, yeah, but and and this is. This is the part I, I kind of had a problem with because somebody's questioning what their motives are for doing it. Yeah. And if it was if it was good or it's possibly good for later on to save these species, why do they care what their motives are? In other words, like, oh, these are just people who want to collect stuff and that's kind of their thing of collecting things. And that's not really right. Yeah. I have but, a, but if they're but if they're doing it and there's good as a byproduct of that, them collecting, why do you care why they're doing it? Because they're only collecting for as long as it's convenient for them to collect. Okay. It's not an actual arc. It's it's a it's a ephemeral arc. Oh, I get it, but it's better than zero arc, isn't it? Because is if it? It, because if it's the end of whatever that fish is tomorrow or the next day or that whole river or whatever it is, at least that little section was being done rather than nothing. That that is one way to think about it. I, or, or if, if, if they the certainly effort, aren't doing it for the color, by the way, because these things are ugly <laughs> fish. Okay, <laughs> these are not juggalo clowns or lightning long fin yeah. whatevers. These are some ugly fish yeah. that you would just put on your hook and to catch another fish <laughs> with. <laughs> Basically, I think I'm just saying that 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 would be the objection to it. Right. That, that's why. If if I mean, and then you end up with you know. Freak dogs like my dog, and what good is that going to do in the wild? That's everything's going <laughs> to eat that. Look at that. Look, it sits on a pillow and shakes. Actually, I saw your cat in Book of Eli yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that, and now that cat, it ended up not in such a good point. That cat will fuck you up. The, <laughs> this little dog is a snack for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd probably, yeah, it'd probably fry up good. But he's damn cute. Yeah, he is cute. Damn is it he or she? She. It's a she. Okay. It's how. If you want to, you know, they, I think the idea of hobbyists arcing animals sounds really good and is something we all want to go, yes, look what we can do. But I think it's, I think there's a, it's a, it's a, look, if we can't get our heads around alkalinity, 
Right. I'm worried about getting our heads because around Because people this. will see that as some sort of a panacea for bad other bad actions that they can take or that the world can take because somebody else is taking care of it. If something bad happens, don't worry. We got right. this. Or the truth is this guy here, he stops. It's done, right? True. Well, it's, not exactly because there's but a whole... But it's spread out. But, but, but yeah, right? We wouldn't have lightning maroon clouds. How do you, how do you like you this, know? considering you're part of this professional group? The hobbyists have been more reliable than the professional institutions in terms of keeping a species around, says a fish biologist. A fish biologist. <laughs> some, some, yes. Ab- absolutely some. In some circumstances, yes. In other circumstances, no. Okay. And, and, and I'm not going to say that professional institutions have done a great job of it either. I was just before laying out some of the reasoning behind it. I just saw that uh, Cuba video of the... the uh, uh, public aquarium in Cuba, I can assure you that <laughs> there are places that things are not going well. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm allowed to talk about that more now because I'm more a student than oh, a professional aquarist. Oh, because you weren't so, uh, you're not I mean, so I'm, tied at the hip to... I mean, uh, I mean, I'm not actually really employed by them. I'm, 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 a, I'm an advanced degree student. As an independent contractor <laughs> when you do stuff with them, maybe, I guess. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well, let me think about that. <laughs> okay. Let me think about who I can trash. Okay. <laughs> I've trashed everyone at some point. Why not go crazy? It's a discussion. We can cut this, right? Uh, I, I don't want to. It's too much work. <laughs> I just like keeping it the way it is. You know, I, it's a multi-track thing, so I can do that. Perfect. But the last one, uh, the pilot, um, I, I looked at it and said, you know what? That was pretty good. I don't it, need to do anything. I, I think if we don't need to do anything, it's, it's better. Okay. So on that, what, so let's I wanna, wind up. I wanna, I, what have you learned from this episode? What have I learned from this episode? I have learned not to put uh, Amquil into my aquarium. <laughs> Ever. Good. So that was definitely good. And I learned about these tweezers, which wow. uh, until I saw the uh, pre-show uh, paper that we do, I didn't even know they existed, so I will get me a pair of those. Swinging. How about you? Did you learn anything? I learned that these chairs make us look very short. Okay. We and, need stools. And I'm not, I'm not so happy with this uh, setup, um, but I'm not upset about this setup well that's uh, only if people watch it right everybody right, who just listens right. if they you're don't just listening different. we look great and i feel like uh, um i need more caffeine before an episode okay those are the things i think i've learned all right well next time we will load up on some uh some good americanos or something so. excellent all right all right on that guys you know this is the end of episode one from skim eight which is really episode two the podcast uh, with Rich and Terrence, and we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, you know, tune in for the next one. You'll find it out there on the Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, all of that stuff, right? Yes. And uh, everywhere good podcasts are free. Oh, we, and this is our playout too. This is our outro. We need lyrics. I'm not giving. Yeah, that. we do. <laughs> reef keeping. No, reef keeping. That would be terrible. That would be horrible. So the next episode, we're going to talk about some uh, reef keeping stuff. We didn't do that? We're no, more. Oh, it oh, never more. ends. Okay. Well, I am up for it. I'm loving this podcast. All right. I'm going to get caffeine. All right. Out.